Today's reading is from the Book of Psalms, a mixed collection of emotions in the form of poems, prayers and songs. I didn't expect to be reading from Psalms today, but the reading is one full of thanksgiving, joy at God's rescue, salvation, restoration, which marks Easter Day and all the resurrection signifies. So from Psalm 30. I will exalt you, Lord, for you rescued me. You refuse to let my enemies triumph over me. O Lord, my God, I cried to you for help and you restored my health. You brought me up from the grave, O Lord. You kept me from falling into the pit of death. Sing to the Lord, all you godly ones. Praise his holy name. For his anger lasts only a moment, but his favour lasts a lifetime. Weeping may last through the night, but joy comes with the morning. And verse 11. You have turned my mourning into joyful dancing. You have taken away my clothes of mourning and clothed me with joy, that I might sing praises to you and not be silent. O oh Lord my God, I will give you thanks forever. This is God's word. Happy Easter to you this morning. On Wednesday evening of this past week, of Holy Week, uh, during my quarantine Q&A, the subject of setting the date for Easter came up. And it wasn't a direct question, but one that became necessary to answer as the Christian celebration of Easter relates to the Jewish celebration of Passover. Both Passover and Easter are movable feasts. That is, Easter doesn't fall on the same date, obviously, each year, though it is always on a Sunday. Passover seems to move as well, but it is always on the same date of the Jewish calendar. Passover falls on the 15th day of the Hebrew month of Nisan. The Hebrew calendar is a lunar calendar. It follows the cycle of the moon. So here it is. The 15th day of Nisan is always on the first full moon after the spring equinox. Simple enough. That's Passover. Now you got it. We move to Easter. We date Easter by finding March 21st on our calendar. That puts us in the correct lunar cycle with Passover because that's the day after the spring equinox. We go out from March 21st looking for the first full moon. Got it. Easter is then the first Sunday after the first full moon after the spring equinox. Do you get that? Spring, first full moon, go to that first Sunday after the first full moon, and there you have Easter. That is it. In the West, in Western Christianity, in Catholicism in Protestantism, but it is not the universally accepted date for Easter. There are our brothers and sisters in the East, in the Orthodox tradition, Greek Orthodox, Russian Orthodox, Eastern Orthodox. Their dating of Easter is different from our own. And sure, sometimes we share Easter with them, and we celebrate on the same Sunday, but that's rare. Usually they are a week or two weeks apart. Sometimes they can be a full month apart with Orthodox Easter not even showing up on the calendar until the first week of May. Why? 
Well, fret not, my virtual Easter worshipers. I will tell you why. In the West, we follow the Gregorian calendar. In the East, they follow the Julian calendar. Our calendar, named after Pope Gregory XIII, has been in place since the 1500s. Europe adopted it. Thus, all of Europe's colonies adopted it. The Western Hemisphere followed it in turn. The Julian calendar, adhered to by the Orthodox Church, is much older. It was adopted by the Roman Empire in 45 BC and is named after Julius Caesar. Julius gets a month, July, and a calendar named after him. So you woke up this morning... You had your coffee and you are now turning into the tuning into this online Easter service in your PJs with little thought about why today is Easter. And all the while, three different calendars st- stretching backwards over centuries have been used to calculate this exact moment. But if this moment, if today does not meet your expectations and you're disappointed with Easter this year, You can always celebrate Orthodox Easter next Sunday morning, April 19th. And this year, 2020, given what's going on in the world, two Easters might not be a bad idea. Calendar dating aside, I really enjoy so much of the Eastern Orthodox tradition. It's not Catholic. It's not Protestant. It's not Anglican. It has its own distinct flavor, its own beautiful pageantry, its own well-conceived icons and celebrations, theology, structure, tradition. And I only have time to speak of one of those traditions today. It is called Bright Monday. That's bright, B-R-I-G-H-T, as in bright light, luminous light, as dawn rising after the long black darkness. Night ends, the sun returns, and it's also called simply Easter Monday, which is a holiday in many countries around the world, even some states here in the United States. The grim season of Lent comes to its conclusion. No more fasting, no more restrictions. The muddling through Monday, Thursday, and the suffering of Good Friday and Holy Silent Saturday is done. Sunday morning arrives and it brings resurrection. And here in the week that follows, there should be nothing but joy and light and laughter. Here's what I love about Bright Monday, Easter Monday in the Orthodox Church. And I think we should, we should accept and adapt some of this in the Western world. Somewhere along the line, on the Monday after Easter, a desert monk was contemplating Holy Week, thinking about the sufferings of Jesus, the death of Jesus, and the resurrection of Jesus. And he's sitting there in silence with all of his brothers in the meditation cell in the chapel, and then suddenly he breaks out into a laughter. And I'm not talking about church laughter. If you've ever got tickled at church, it's that kind of quiet, you got to keep it under wraps, and then you try to internalize it, and it only makes your body shake, and the pew you're sitting on shake, and everybody is going to look at you anyway. It's probably better just to laugh out loud. Well, this guy just laughed out loud. This hysterical laughter. The abbot, the father superior, comes running over to see what the problem is. And this monk says to the father, I get it now. It's all a big joke. Jesus' death, Jesus' resurrection, it's just one big cosmic joke. Well, the abbot doesn't take to this very kindly, and he's just about to grab this heaving heretic by the nape of the neck and throw him out of the monastery. And then the brother says this, 
the joke was on the devil. He thought he had won. But Jesus was tricking him the entire time. And when Jesus came back to life on Easter Sunday, Jesus had the last laugh. Lee Abbott thought about that a minute, thought about it a minute more. And across the room, another monk started laughing and then another and then another until the entire room was just hysterical, thinking about the fact that Jesus had pulled off this trick, this marvelous trick to overcome evil, to overcome sickness, to overcome death. The joke was on the world and God had prevailed. As the tradition goes, Bright Monday became a practice from that point forward. And in many Orthodox churches around the world, the day after Easter, congregations will gather for a festival of sorts. Most of these, of course, will be virtual this year, but there'll be parties and picnics and funny stories will be told. There will be jokes, lots of jokes. Tricks will be played on one another, dancing, music, singing. It will be a celebration of the joke that Jesus played on evil by reclaiming his life after death and sin had thought it had won. It is a day of joy, a day of entertainment, Rhesus Pascalis. Ancient theologians called it, that means Easter laughs. I love that. And I thought we could all use a bit of that today, this Easter. And it was my reason, Anna, for leaving the traditional readings of Easter morning aside and instead turning to this utterly magnificent psalm, Psalm 30. The prelude, the inscription is somewhat dubious. We can't tell if David is the writer or if the writer is referring to David, but it doesn't really matter in the end. Whoever wrote it constructed a masterpiece. The author has been ill. He has been sick, sick to the point of death, swinging on the grave's squeaky hinges, in fact. But he credits God with pulling him back from the edge. Verse 3, you brought me up from the grave, O Lord. You kept me from falling into the pit of death. And after that, everything is pure joy, singing and praise, mourning turned into dancing, sackcloth and ashes traded for thanksgiving. And that line of all lines, verse number five, weeping may last through the night, but joy comes in the morning. It's a resurrection psalm. It's an Easter Monday psalm in print. This is joke pulling and storytelling here. Sickness, evil, death. They all thought the tragic tale had been told. They thought it was all over. With a gravestone, an obituary, and mourners dressed in black following the hearse to the cemetery. But it ain't so. The joke is on you. Resurrection has one last trick to pull. The graveyard is not the end of the story. Sin, death, evil, injustice, corruption, sickness. They will all think they have the last word, but none of them will have the last word. That last word belongs to Christ. Rhesus Pascalis, Easter laughs, and Easter has the last laugh. Now, Hebrew scholars say that regardless of who wrote this psalm, that it became important many years later for the entire Jewish nation. When the people returned to their homeland after decades of being scattered around the world, they built a new temple. And when they dedicated that new temple, this was the psalm that they used on the day of dedication. They took the singular words of the writer, 
who had suffered this illness, and they spoke those words collectively as a group. The whole nation had been sick, as it were. The entire community had teetered on the very edge of the grave. Had it not been for mercy, they would have all perished. But together, as one people and with one voice, they offered their thanksgiving to God. You brought us up from the grave, O Lord. You kept us from falling into the pit of death. Weeping endured through the night, but joy has come with the morning. Being brutally practical in our own time, I don't know what the future holds. No one does. I don't know when life will get back to normal or even what that normal will look like. I don't know if your business, the home that you have built, your savings account, your IRA, or your job will survive these days. I don't know if a genuine outbreak of this current disease will land on our local shores. I don't know if we will have to face the burial of friends and family or if our friends and family will be burying us. I don't know when we can be together again, when we will be able to visit face-to-face with parents and grandparents and our children, grandchildren, friends, and co-workers. I don't know where the bottom is, how deep this grave is, or how long this darkness will be. I know that we have some more weeping to do. We're going to have to trudge through a few more days, a few more weeks, maybe months of this. There are more losses to endure. There is more pain to accept, more dark nights of the soul to outlast, but joy is coming in the morning. We will walk through this valley of the shadow of death for a season, but we will sing of His mercies and offer our thanksgiving forever in the end. Not because we are making light of what's going on. No, it is real. It is deadly. Don't let anyone tell you that it is not. It is a slow motion unraveling disaster. But in the end, whatever the end may be, and whenever that end may come, Easter will have the last laugh. As Paul writes in Romans 7 and in 1 Corinthians 15, fusing the same thought from two different places together, who will free us from this life that is dominated by sin and death? The answer is Jesus Christ our Lord. Death is swallowed up in victory. O oh, death, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? God gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. So my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Work enthusiastically, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever in vain. Or this Ronnie McBrayer maxim, one that I repeat to my family, and God knows I repeat it to myself, all things will be made right in the end. And if it ain't all right, it ain't the end. That's the story of Easter. Be it sickness, the end of this age, the end of your life, the end of my life, though the struggle will be relentless at times and the losses will seem to be more than we can stand, Rhesus Pascalis Easter laughs. I'll finish my Easter thoughts with a story 
from an old friend. His name is Landon Saunders. He was introduced to me by Terry and Diane Olive, and I'm forever grateful to that. He spoke at a Simple Faith many years ago. I have a slide when he was with us. I left the date at the bottom of that picture. I think it's 2008. Uh, I'll let you look at the slide. I, uh, I was so young then. I have this gray quarantine beard now. But I was so young then. Well, age and poor health have kept Landon close to home even before this pandemic. And Landon is one of those rare people you get a chance to know in this life, a person who is legitimately full of the Spirit, full of the fruit of the Spirit. And by that I mean this. He embodies love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and of course, joy. Landon's joy is the joy of the Lord. It's not some ginned-up evangelistic-styled late-night infomercial euphoria. It is soulful, sustaining wonder, gob-smacking awe that he has gotten this chance to be alive and others have too, and that there is more to this story to be told. Landon says this, Joy is central to my understanding of what it means to be a human. Certainly we live in a world where we experience suffering, failure, loss, injustice, even evil. During such times, when the going is tough, when we're vulnerable to the weakest and worst side of our nature, we need a deep commitment to something that keeps us in touch with the good, the better, the best that is in us, a deep, stubborn, robust commitment to joy. And after saying something like that, Landon often tells the story that he calls the laughing masters. As he shares it, there were these three spiritual masters, and their teaching method was simply joy. They would go to the town square, sit down, people would gather around them, and they would just start telling jokes. They would be kind. They would laugh. They would show others how to be happy. And that was it. That was their theology. That was their spiritual practice. It was all about joy. Well, one day, one of the masters died, and there was going to be the traditional Eastern funeral, and the entire town gathered for this funeral, and they all wondered, what will the other two masters do at the funeral now that their friend has passed? Well, the other two did exactly what their friend had instructed them to do. He said that when I die, please place me on the funeral pyre exactly as I am. Don't change my clothes. Don't embalm me. Let my body be turned to ashes just as I am. So they did. They put him on the funeral pyre. They lit it. And when they lit it, the dead master had stuffed his clothing full of firecrackers and Roman candles and sparklers. And the fireworks display that followed was such an awesome display of joy and happiness that everyone went home with a grin on their face and their rib cages sore from the laughter. Because laughter has the last word. And Landon says this, Even in death, there remains joy. Because death is not the end. Nor are these days we currently find ourselves in. 
The risen Christ will have the last joyful word. And with all of my heart, I believe that Easter will have the last laugh.